Well, if you got your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, I've, I've got my printed Bible over there. I've got my stored Bible, electronic Bible here. And I know a lot of you, you use your electronic Bible. Um, it's, boy, this thing, you, can, you can't think of a whole verse or where it may be. You can just Google uh, just a phrase in that verse. And I tell you, uh, it pulls it up, gives you the verse, gives you detailed information potentially on that verse. And so it's really good. little commentary here. But uh, thank you for getting into the Word. We told you last Sunday, if there's one thing we are learning out of this, we need to get solid in the Word of God. This may be just the beginning of signs of the time hitting us worldwide. Think about it. Um, boy, right in the middle of the coronavirus, um, back in 1st of April especially, then what do we see? Killer hornets, you know, coming over. And, and I'm like, dear God, have mercy. Maybe the great tribulation has started. But uh, I, so far I hadn't seen a killer hornet, all right? But uh, may God help us and protect us and may the whole world call on Jesus. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. We're in the book of Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. One of my all-time favorite, 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 favorite verses. And the book of Proverbs is filled with nuggets of truth. And all of it's truth. All of it's great. But there's some things that just stand out to us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, of course. Proverbs 15 and 1. A soft. Answer turns away what? Wrath. You can have someone, the Bible says, that is about to lose it, is about to lose it, and someone responds with a soft answer. And it will turn that wrath away. Now, it's not saying that maybe all wrath is turned away, but generally speaking, the soft answer is going to turn away wrath. But what happens in close relationships, what happens generally speaking is this, that if, say a husband or wife, one of them's upset, what, what is the typical thing that happens in the other one? It kindles a fire somewhere inside of us that all of a sudden starts growing and uh, the more this one gets bigger and bigger, the, the fury, the anger, the wrath, all of a sudden it's so easy to, to all of a sudden go from calm to wrathful ourselves and to respond to that individual. But if we respond with a soft answer. It turns away wrath. So the next time, let me just ask, uh, if they're sitting next to you, don't raise your hand. But if you know someone, they're in your family, they're in your life, you know, maybe a fellow employer, employee, uh, there's wrath there that you have to deal with on a regular basis. Can I see your hand? As long as it's not the person sitting next to you. All right. So a few hands going up. The next time they start, the next time they start, 
instead of allowing yourself to erupt also, why don't you just say something softly to them? Why don't you smile at them while you do it? Smile at them, say something nice to them. Uh, I mean, throw them off, all right? Throw them off with your soft response. Hey, are you okay? Uh, you know, and, and just throw them off. See what happens to the wrath. It's worth a try. No, you say you like it. All right, so no, you don't. You don't want people to get wrathful, but a sharp or a harsh word stirs up anger. That is why in relationships too often, one gets all upset, then the other one feeds off of that, and then you got two infernos going at the same time. And uh, that is certainly not good. Somebody's got to back down. And so it's better not to even get into it. A soft answer turns away wrath. Alice and I were recently talking about a year or so ago, she spoke and, and said, There's, you shouldn't be yelling at your kids. And, and there were a few people that were like, uh, excuse me, um, they need it. And I'm going to, that's my culture. And listen, you may have come out of whatever wonderful culture you came out of, but you're in the king's culture now, all right? You're in the word culture. And so we're going to act like believers. We're going to let a soft answer deal with any wrath in our lives or the other person. Proverbs verse 2, chapter 15. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. Of course, throughout the book of Proverbs, wisdom, 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 wisdom to work, wisdom to have purity, wisdom to use our words. This is another theme throughout the book of Proverbs. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools, the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. All right. Knowledge is viewed as, as a, a precious resource in the Word of God, not to be wasted. We do this best if we study how to answer, meditate on our response, make sure that we have our words under control. I know that maybe somebody here or online, you lost it today. You lost it with somebody. You said something unkind. You raised your voice at somebody and uh, you felt bad later, of course. Maybe you haven't gone to them yet and asked forgiveness. Well, the good news is you have that opportunity tomorrow. Maybe you even need to say it to them. Maybe you live with them. Maybe you need to say it to them tonight before you go to bed. You know, uh, single life was wonderful. Marriage life is wonderful. And I discovered something about marriage life years ago when Alice and I first got married. You don't want to go to bed angry. You want to deal with it before you go to bed. And many times in the first 10 years or so, many times... Uh, she would have done something. I would have gotten upset at her. And uh, as a result of that, I'm like, I'm going to bed. You know, uh, maybe I didn't even say much to her. I just was going to try to go to sleep. And then I discovered something. 
I don't sleep well being angry. And I quickly discovered I would rather sleep well than go to bed angry, even if it means me humbling myself and saying, Alice, please, please forgive me. I, I was all wrong. Please forgive me. It's not worth going, trying to go to sleep when you're angry at someone. Think about it. You're laying there. You're over there. You're thinking thoughts uh, about the other person. You can't believe I, we used to do that, can you? Some of you actually thought Alice and I have never, ever even gotten upset at each other. It has been years and years, but there were a few times that, you know, um, I was like, my God, I like Adam. Why did you give me this woman? And, uh, and there were more than one time she probably thought, oh, that church thinks he's so great. They don't know God. So the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools, where is that from? Okay, anyway, all right, uh, let me go on. In Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Um, okay, Sunday. Now let me tell you a little pet peeve of mine, all right? Anybody here have any pet peeves? You, how many of you don't have a clue what a pet peeve is? All right. So anyway, a few of you are like, I don't know. And I'm not going to raise my hand and admit it either. And so uh, a pet peeve is something that bothers you. All right. It, I, I didn't say it should bother you, but you let it bother you at times. Now, the, uh, the thing is on Sundays, for ever since we've been at this campus and even at the other one, the staff over at the other campus parked at Sam's half a mile down the road, rode the shuttle back down, or a precious gentleman in our church drove us back down to the church. And, um, and so then, um, where am I going with this? All right, so, um, oh yes, okay, all right. And uh, so always through the years, I have felt like, okay, no, I'm the pastor, but we set the example. If we've got limited parking, we park far away. And when we first moved over here, <laughs> I parked on the grass all the way almost to the entrance and walked up here. I, I didn't want, I wanted everybody to, for us to set the example. And I told the staff, we're not parking close either. We're parking over on the grass. And so I, when I see employees or, or even workers or paid workers come on the property on Sunday morning and they park up close to the building, which takes up parking for two different services, I'm like, oh, it's a pet peeve. You belong on the grass where I'm parked. Uh, and Sunday, or there have been a couple of times I've seen someone that maybe was new, we didn't tell them. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. We must not have told you. I gave them a good answer or I spoke tenderly, but I said, we really need you to park on the grass. Sunday morning, I pull up and I park across the ring road on the grass. And some workers came by. They were in their teens and they came by saw me parking on the grass, pulled into the parking lot, pulled up, 
And I'm like, what do they think they're doing? And my first response was, I've got to tell them. I'm not going to that building until I tell them. Go park over there with me. And I say it always nicely. But I'm like, these are teens. I really need to be nice. I, I don't want them ever. I don't want them to feel like I'm ever coming down on them, you know, over something like that. And so I, I'm like, what can I say? What can I say while I'm walking across the road from where I park? And I'm like, hey, whose car is this? And the young man raised his hand. And I said, that's a nice looking car. You know what? You would make my car, which is parked across the street, look a whole lot better if you parked your car next to it. And uh, he's like, oh, okay. And I'm, I'm like, that was good, Carl. That was good. I, I, uh, I, I am complimented his car. I, I actually said that if you park it next to mine, it'll make mine look better. And so there was no, nothing there that was of a condemning nature whatsoever. And now if he would have said, well, that's all right, pastor. I'd rather park here. Then I would have said, no, you get, no, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said, no, please, please do me a favor. That's what I usually say. Do me a favor and park across the street right next to mine in the grass. Now, while I'm saying this, I don't know why I think that I have to do that on Sunday. But on Wednesday night, you know where my car is parked? Right outside this back door. I don't know what, why I think I get a break on Wednesday night. All right. So anyway, I mean, some of you are probably across the street. No, you're not, are you? All right. So anyway, all right. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. The next time your boss or somebody in authority says something to you and you have to respond, make sure that you let God help you to speak the right words, uh, to give a godly answer, a sensible answer, an answer that is not going to stir up any wrath, but an answer of wisdom. How many of you believe God has that capacity within you to give you the right answer to say to anybody, anybody that's questioning you, anybody that puts you in a tense mode or mood, uh, regardless of who it is and, and why they're saying what they're saying, God can give you the right words. God fills you with his wisdom. And if you feel like, well, I'm not good at words, then start praying for wisdom, all right? Pray, pray, pray. Pray every day. Let this be a part of your prayer. God, give me wisdom. And if you're having trouble saying things the proper way, pray, God, give me wisdom of my words, Lord, to be able to talk to people, to be able to be convincing, to be kind and, and gracious and loving and, and wise with my words. You know, there, there are times that I say things and I'm like, oh, Lord, why did I say that? And then there are other times that I'll say things and I'm like, whoa, that was pretty awesome. And I would think to myself, you know, if I say anything awesome, it's attributed to one thing, the wisdom of God that rests within me. 
And if God will use me, he will use you because he is no respecter of person. Say amen. All right. So let's make sure that before we answer, we pray and we ask for wisdom and we whisper, God, help me. An unchecked flow of words gives opportunity for misleading information, thoughtless advice, and just plain personal hurt. We can hurt people with our words. Well, let's look at some patterns of speech, all right? Number one, do we make sense when we talk to other people? Do we make sense? Are, uh, are we just going on? Are we using our words in the most powerful way that God wants us to use them? All right, when, when you just heard her say what they said to this little girl, Ashley, First of all, they were like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. They changed their approach. That was the wisdom of God. And how they did that to just say, we need you. Oh my Lord, the power of those words, my Lord. Every one of us in this building, soon as we heard what she said, we knew what was gonna happen, didn't we? We could see it coming because a different approach, powerful words, uh, saying, we need you. We really do. We need you. Help us. And how powerful that is. I was, when she said it, I just thought, dear Lord, uh, we need every person that volunteers in this church. We need every person that works in this church. We need everyone. Now, Number one, do we make sense? Number two, do we wait our turn speaking, using wisdom? Do we wait our turn or we jump in? We interrupt people. No, here is what Solomon was doing. He was teaching these young future leaders how to speak and gain influence and have the favor of God on their life and for people to not be turned off by their words. If people don't like it, when somebody just dominates every conversation. And we, we have to be careful in that regard, if, especially if we're a talker. You, you back it off, you let other people talk, and uh, you take your turn. Number three, do you have a need for the last word? As a, as a word of wisdom to all of us, Solomon, the principles of speaking mean that we don't have to have the last word, all right? Number four, do we try to stop someone else's story? I don't know, two or three years ago, I came across this, this term, conversational narcissist, a conversational narcissist. And I started reading about it and because I'd never heard of it before. And I'm like, oh my Lord. Uh, I, I'd done that at times. You, you're talking and here's what happens. See, and Solomon is saying, don't do this. All right, you are talking and, uh, and then someone else starts talking and they share a story. And if you're not careful, especially if you're an exhorter, you have the gift of exhortation and that's one of my gifts. Uh, you have to really be careful because this person is telling the story, but you're half listening because you're formulating in your mind a greater story. 
that you just happen to think of that when you tell it, it's going to be so much better. I mean, you didn't mean for that greater story to pop into your mind, but it did. And so since it popped into your mind, it's worth sharing. And uh, then when you share it, if you're not careful, this person's story is diminished. I started reading, oh my God. There have been times that I've been a conversational narcissist. And uh, I shared that with some of the guys. And we were sitting back there in the green room one day and, and one told a story. And uh, another one, not me, but someone else told it. Another story, it seemed uh, bigger and more elaborate. We're like, oh my goodness, you're a conversational narcissist. And your story just topped his. But God doesn't want us to do that. Other people, so we need some time to just back away conversationally and let other people talk. Say amen, all right? Uh, and uh, someone years ago, they, they, they're so smart. And, uh, and I noticed that when people would come up with ideas, that they would just automatically come up with a better idea. And I said to them, you know what? Uh, you need to be aware of this because people make ideas and you usually come up with a better idea. But sometimes you just need to keep the better idea to yourself because what will happen, they will stop coming up with ideas because they will start thinking, no use for me to say anything because they always come up with a better idea. So conversation, talking with people, communicating with people is so very important. Do we sound off in areas of incompetence? Even though we don't know much about it, a subject, are we, uh, we just talk about it anyway? We don't really know what we're talking about. Maybe all of us have done these things before. But God is saying, in our words, our words are powerful. They can influence people to the good, to the bad. Uh, if you are having a good day and, and somebody comes in and says to you, hey, what's wrong? You, you, you look terrible. What's going to happen? I mean, if you, especially if you don't have a good self-image, what's going to happen is you're going to be like, you're going to start feeling like, Really? Really? And you're looking at yourself, self-analyzing yourself. But if somebody walks in, you say, oh, you look so wonderful today. Oh, immediately, you're, you're just, you're, your self-esteem is just, I mean, cued in. And it's, uh, you're feeling better about yourself. Proverbs, a wholesome tongue, 15 and verse 4. 15 and 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. When we speak powerful words of affirmation and love and, and uh, words that build up instead of tear down. And uh, we speak those things. It is a tree of life. But perverseness, perverseness or behaving unreasonable, perverseness, but perverseness or behaving unreasonable in it breaks the spirit 
if we have perverseness in our tongue, it breaks the spirit. When we behave unreasonable towards someone and accuse them or put them down or make fun of them, and bullying uh, is a horrible, horrible thing. And I'm glad our society has focused some on that in the last few years because it is a terrible thing to be bullied. The writer in Proverbs attempts again and again to instruct young men in the proper use of speech. This is one of the major themes that run throughout this word or this book of Proverbs. Perhaps breaks the spirit in that verse four, best captures the injurious impact of perverseness. Lying makes it almost impossible to trust either the liar or the one lied about. It causes a complete breakdown of morality, a form of emotional depression is the result. Where truth is absent, life becomes intolerable. Where trust is absent, I should say. Where trust is absent. Think about it. If you don't trust the person you're married to, life becomes intolerable. If you don't trust the people you work with to further the whole thing you're moving toward and helping make the business better, if you don't trust them, life becomes intolerable. If you don't trust the person you're working for, it becomes, if you don't trust your employees, it becomes intolerable because you've got to have trust. And so this breaks, this perverseness, acting unreasonable, breaks the spirit of people. Well, we are trying to keep these services for the time being. We're gonna go back to normal very soon, but we're trying to keep these services uh, a little bit brief, more brief than in the past. And so we're cutting off about 15 minutes or so. Um, those online, we're so glad you're there. We want you to be there. And let me say to all of you, this coming weekend is an incredible weekend. Um, we've, we have prayed for churches across this nation that are contemplating starting back um, some terrible things are happening in spots of the nation where uh, a, a black church in Chicago, the police came or were sent by the mayor's office, sent to, uh, to break up this meeting and, uh, and a Romanian church, the same thing. And so these kind of things shouldn't be happening in America. We know that. Um, people may feel like they're, they're well-meaning. They may even have good intentions, but... This kind of thing should not be happening in America. This weekend, Pentecost Sunday, we're, uh, we're talking about the, the Father's promise. Uh, 3,000 plus churches in California are planning to open their doors. Uh, they know they've got to be about the Father's business. We recognize that after 10 weeks, we recognize that because of all the conflicting information going on out there, that even though there was, there are going to be people that would, when the doors are open, they're, they're going to be here. We know also that there are people that, I'm going to wait a week or so, 
but you pray about, even those of you online, you pray about because we've got space and we are spacing people out uh, and we're praying and believing God and we believe in the power of God, amen? And we believe that God can uh, protect and watch over and no question about it. So uh, you pray about whether this is the weekend that's upcoming to, uh, to come and be a part of this Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church that is celebrated in churches all over the world. So it's going to be a great weekend. We're believing. Uh, it doesn't matter even if somebody's wearing a mask, they can still be baptized in the Holy Spirit, all right? That's not going to keep somebody from receiving a glorious heavenly language. And so we're, we're praying. Uh, we have had people in our deaf ministry that were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the deaf ministry and spoke, all right? Uh, that's, I've heard of those testimonies through the years. Um, and we've got an incredible, incredible ministry to the deaf community going on here at our church. We're gonna share at some point more with you, but there are hundreds of people that are watching online. Uh, our dev ministry is meeting in the time being up on the third floor in the, or the second floor in the, above the atrium. And they are doing some phenomenal things and uh, literally impacting the deaf community. So that's exciting. But this coming weekend, you pray about, those of you online, you pray about if this is a weekend that God wants you to come back. And you should not. If we're led by the Spirit, all of us should be led by the Spirit. We, we as believers filled with the Holy Spirit, we say, I'm led by the Spirit. God expects us to be led by His Spirit. So we don't calculate on, uh, on calculations of what's going on here on earth, we calculate based on what the Spirit is leading us to do. Now, those of you with health problems, hey, don't, you just, you need to pray that God touches your body. But if you pray about whether this is the weekend for you to be here and uh, you be led by the Spirit, all right? Uh, don't miss it. Don't feel bad if you don't, but pray about it, all right? So would you bow your heads with us, please, everyone all over the building? And those of you online, uh, may God touch your life because right now is in every single service in this church, almost without fail, one of the biggest things we're concerned about is the fact that we want everyone to know Jesus Christ. Uh, for years, we have given altar appeals, and for years, people have responded. Um, we have had big events, last reunion, where 1,000-plus people in a couple of weeks came to Christ or returned to Christ. We have had other times that just in normal services, two or three or five or six or 10, we've had services where 100-plus have responded to the call of God to repent. And so tonight, maybe you're online watching or maybe you're right here in this building. And if you don't know Christ, if you don't have the assurance that you are going to heaven, what is more important in life? What is more, the most important thing in this life is to die in our faith. 
to die in our faith. Wow. To live in our faith and then to die in our faith. But if you don't have that faith and you're, you're not walking where you should be with God, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. So with heads bowed, Christians, you're praying. Let me ask, if you're sitting in this building, you don't have a relationship with Christ or you're online watching this service, you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want to challenge you right now. Slip your hand up. Even if you're online, just acknowledge your need. Anybody in this auditorium, you will just lift your hand up right now across this building. Anyone here that needs Christ? You know, no, I'm, I'm not surprised by that being the first Wednesday back. I, I would have assumed that most of walking in these doors were born again, love Jesus with all your heart. And uh, I pray that that's the case. But if you're online and you don't have a relationship, we're going to pray right now. And I challenge you to recommit your life or to commit your life to Christ and repent. Turn from your ways and commit to God's ways for your life. So I'm going to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, O Lord God, to touch every person in this building. God, there are people here facing things that they desperately need your help. God, they need your help. And Father, there are people online that need forgiveness, that need, God, your spirit to fill them anew. God, and empower them to live a life pleasing to you. Lord, I thank you for that. I, I pray that anyone watching that doesn't know you, they would call upon your name right now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, for everyone also listening wherever they are, even in the days to come when they may catch this service. I pray, God, that you would help us to learn the lessons of Proverbs, to use our words with wisdom, God, to build up and not destroy, to build trust and not cause anxiousness with our words. God, I pray. God, you would fill us with your wisdom and empower us to be conscious of how we say things, how we respond to people and what they say. God, make us men and women of powerful, godly wisdom words in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord God.